0: Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for the blessing of giving us this time to worship you together. Thank you for inviting us into your throne room, Lord God. We pray that we would not not take this honor lightly, Lord, but we pray that you would help us to enter in humbly, reverently. Lord, thank you for this gift and this blessing. And we pray that you would speak to us this morning, Lord, that you would pour your hope and life into our hearts. Lord, that you would refresh and restore us, and that you would give me your words to proclaim to your people that we might all be drawn to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. It's so great to see you all. I have missed you so much. We are today going to be talking about, for a minute, a guy named Abraham Maslow. Anyone ever heard about him? You probably know him by his last name. Uh, Maslow, because in 1943, he wrote a paper named A Theory of Human Motivation, and he was a psychologist, and from that paper came what we call Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. needs. That's right, Hierarchy of Needs. Now today, it's frequently represented as a triangle, kind of like the food pyramid. Do we still have a food pyramid, or is it like an octopus shape or something, (laughs) now, or a pizza shape or something? Yeah, so, uh, well, this is a pyramid, right? And so in the pyramid, the most important things are on the base, right? The ones that are essential for the other things to come out, those are on the bottom. And then it moves up, and they're not less important, but they're not necessary for survival, the higher up you get, right? For flourishing, yes, very important, but for survival, not so much. Right at the bottom, we have the most basic needs. Anyone know what those are? Air, food, water, that's a big one. Yeah, those are biggies. Uh, clothing, shelter, we can add those in there too. Then we move up the next level, and we get to safety. Right, That's a biggie. Right, Wear your seatbelt, all those kind of things. All right, safety, those are there. And then the next level is belongingness and love. Then we get to esteem, self-actualization, and then self-transcendence. Now the big one, the upper levels get a little heady, right? But the basic needs, those make sense to us, don't they? Right? Air? Anyone think that's important? There's no debate about that, is there? I'm not just blowing hot air at you. Right? No, we all, we all share a genuine, a genuine love and appreciation for air. Right? And water and food. Those are things we know we need. And so, and Maslow clearly delineated that. These are the basic needs that drive us, right? That, that these are the things that need to be met before higher issues can be dealt with in our life. You're not worrying about the implications of decisions you've made if you're, you know, can't breathe, right? You're kind of just focused on not breathing, right, and trying to figure out how you can get air. You're not worried about solving math problems or anything like that, right? Like, you really have those basic needs. And those are the things that we see in our gospel passage for today, those basic needs driving people to Jesus Christ. Our passage begins with a post-mission briefing, kind of drops us right in, like plop, right in the middle of a story, um, which every gospel passage does basically, but particularly this one. Um, In the military, we would have called this an after-action review, right? It was a chance, you come back from the mission, you all sit down, you discuss what went well, what went poorly, adapt for the future, move on. That's what's taking place between Jesus and his disciples. For their mission, they had gone out two by two with no bread, bag, or money. Talk about hierarchy of needs, right? Those are those are some essentials, bread, bag, and money. Just them. All they had was just them, a buddy, and a staff. And I don't think when he said staff, he meant a personal assistant, a chef, and a driver. Uh, those would have been helpful. I think he was talking about the wooden straight kind, right? That you just carry around. They went out... And amazing things took place. People repented. Demons were cast out. The sick were healed. This was a radical event in the life of the disciples. Seeing the power of God flow out of them and transform lives around them was remarkable. So they had just come back from this thing. And they're sitting down and telling Jesus all that has taken place. They tell him all the stories of repentance They tell him the stories of the freedom from demon possession when the demons flew out of people and people's whole countenance changed. They tell him stories of healing, how the lame were given strength and the ability to walk, how the blind could see, the deaf could hear. They tell him where they were welcomed, where they were not. They tell him about what they said and how they felt the presence of God with him. And Jesus Knowing that they had just experienced this mountaintop event, he seeks to take them away so that they can have time to rest and reflect, to consider all that has taken place and to thank God for it. Because often when you have an event like this, right, these don't happen very often in our lives, honestly, but when you have like a really big event, right, it's you crash after. Anyone ever feel that before? Right? You get to the mountain and then boom, it's a dry, it's like half dome on the other side, just whoop right down to the bottom of the valley, right? And so Jesus is trying to take this time to build them up and refresh them. And so in order to facilitate this, they head off toward the retreat center, right? Which is the other side of the lake. The problem is, is that they need a faster boat because everyone sees them going to this place, to the other side of the lake, and what do they do? They follow them, right? They follow them so that by the time they get there, who's already there? Everywhere, everybody else, right? It's like, it's like a race on those little scooters they have in the grocery store, right? You're trying to get away, but you can't go fast enough, right? That's what it is. The people are already there by the time the boat gets there. But Jesus, he doesn't berate them for interrupting his retreat, which he had planned to be a very, you know, he had a great program and everything, good speaker. Um, instead, he has compassion on them. Because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And how are sheep without a shepherd? Lost, aimless. They're um, targets. They're like meals on wheels. Right? I mean, they're they're just wandering around. They don't know what's going on. They're yearning for our help, but they don't even know that they really need it. Right? Jesus sees it written on their faces, and his heart goes out to them. And the way he cares for them, the way he becomes their shepherd, is he teaches them. Because in teaching, you could take this group, which we learned later was 5,000 men, not including, not counting children and wives. Like, you got thousands of people there. And how long would it be for Jesus to organize individual counseling for each of those people? He'd have to clear out his day planner for quite a few days, right? in order to sit down with everybody and do that. But in teaching, he can reach these people significantly, all at once. All at once. And in one teaching event, he can share with them the hope of life with him. It's phenomenal. So Jesus does that. He teaches these people. He cares for them. Now at this point, at this point, our reading skips. You'll notice in the designation on it, it's missing some verses. They leave out just some tiny events, like the feeding of five thousand and Jesus walking on water, and it picks up later. Right? You can see why they skipped over those little things. But if we hadn't skipped over those, we would have seen that after Jesus teaches the people, he feeds them. He feeds them miraculously. This is the model of Jesus. He cares for people by teaching them and feeding them. He cares for the inward and the outward. Not by coincidence, we seek to do the same thing in church, right? It's the reason we have things like the Eucharist in conjunction with teaching. It's why we also have fellowship after the service. It's a time for us to gather and be fed, to be nourished, and go out into the world refreshed and replenished, ready to proclaim the good news. Our passage after these events, after the feeding of 5,000 and Jesus walking on water, picks up with Jesus on the other side of the lake where he encounters yet another crowd. Everywhere he went, it was like the paparazzi, right? They were everywhere. And so he's assaulted by a rush of people who are seeking to bring to him the sick. They're there from all over the place, and they are begging even to touch just the fringe of his cloak, as he walks by and remarkably our passage tells us that even those who brush the fringe of his cloak are healed it's amazing in our passage we see the work of god and his power being poured out but what else we see is the crushing need of humanity the disciples they're in need right because they've just come off this mountaintop and they're ready to crash. They need rest and reflection with Jesus. They need Jesus' comfort and strength now because their strength is ebbing. The people, though, they need something too. They need a shepherd. They need someone to teach them, to lead them to good pasture, to protect them, to feed them. They need to be healed. These needs drive All these folks to Jesus Christ, the one who they hear can meet those pressing needs. Now, that was 2,000 years ago. We live today in a thoroughly modern world. But are our needs any different? I would say they're not. We have the same needs food, water, safety, shelter, belonging. We need a shepherd, too. Now, if it solely depends upon needy people like us to meet the needs of others, how well do you think we'll do at that? Not so hot, right? Our track record is not super great as, like, people, right? As all people all over, all the time. We don't do super good at caring for each other, right? Even if we look in a group, say, for instance, our own family, Like, how well do we love, care for, support, be there for them all the time that they need it? If you're like me, not so hot, I can look at my life and see failures, see gaps where instead of looking out for them, I was looking out for who? How do you know that? That's right. I was just looking out for me, right? Times where I said, well, what about me? Is that a good question to ask ourselves? Uh, it's a fair question, but does it always lead us to a good place? No, sure doesn't. Man, it leads us into hardship. If I can't even meet the needs of this small group of people who depend on me and love me, and who I love and depend on, how well am I going to do meeting the needs of a larger community or a lar- like Nevada County? or a bigger community like California, or the United States, or the world. Do you think I'll fail at that too? Do you think we'll fail at that? We see this in our country all over. We see this in ourselves, but also in our country and in the world. Right, one of the richest nations in the world. Do we have any poverty here? Any need still? Yeah, absolutely. No political solution we found so far sorts it all out. The problem is internal to us, right? We are broken people, trying to care for broken people. And it's going to go south at some point. We need something else. We need something, someone from outside of us to do this. Because you and I, we fall short. We see in our gospel passage the solution. The solution is a person. Jesus Christ himself. We see him teaching, feeding, healing, He is the one who can do this without fail. Remember, he's the one who walked on water in the middle of the passage. Do you think he can do incredible things? Yes, this is where you say yes. There you go. Yes, exactly. Walking on water is incredible. Anyone ever done it? No. Yeah, but Jesus does. He can do the miraculous. We fall short of what is required of us. We fall short of that love and compassion and mercy which we are called to give to the world. We fall short. But Jesus, he never fails. He is available and ready to help all the time. The question then falls to us. Where are we looking for help? To whom are we turning to have our needs met? Timothy Keller, the church planter and pastor out in New York, said, if we put our faith in another person, what will happen to our faith the day we look at their coffin? Where will our faith be? This doesn't mean we shouldn't love people. It doesn't mean we shouldn't care for people. But ultimately, all of us have an expiration date. We're all like that pack of eggs in my fridge right now. It's got a date on there. You and I do too. So if we put our faith in some other person... That faith will ultimately expire. But if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, what happened when they put him in the grave? He He rose again, never to die another time. That is the one who we put our faith in. He is the one who will never, ever fail us. To get back to Maslow, later on in his life, as he was reflecting on his hierarchy of needs, he revised his top goal to be self-transcendence. He said, the self only finds... This is, you know, I might get a little... Stick with me through this, okay? The self only finds its actualization in giving itself to some higher goal outside oneself in altruism and spirituality. What Maslow was saying is that I'm never fully me, Completely me until I start looking outside of me, to something else, to God. And in looking to God and forgetting about me, I fully become me. Pretty cool, huh? That's not bad for my psychologist. I mean, I really appreciate him. And I would also I would add to this and say Amen to what Maslow is saying. But also, I believe that Jesus is not only the pinnacle on that pyramid of needs, it's not only at the pinnacle that you find Jesus, but at every single level up to it as well. For instance, physiological needs. Food, air, water. Jesus have anything to do with providing those for us? Yeah. Remember he said, consider the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. Right? They don't labor and toil or do anything, and yet the flowers are clothed. Not even Solomon and all his glories clothed like that. And the birds don't have any place to store up stuff, and yet God provides for them. He said, don't worry about life. I'll take care of it. So does God care about the physical needs? Yes, absolutely. Safety, does he care about safety? Can he protect? He's the good shepherd, right? One of the roles of a shepherd is to protect. Belongingness and love. Now, how could that have anything to do with Jesus? Come on. He loves us, right? For God so loved the world. Right? We've got this love that God gives us and this identity that becomes ours, which brings us to esteem, the next one. Right? When we are in Christ, it's not our brokenness written all over us, but this new identity which he gives us, his righteousness. Self-actualization, we become ourselves when we are in Christ. And self-transcendence, it's only through him that we can actually look outside of ourselves. It's only when we look to him that he pulls us out of that. Only in Jesus Christ can every level of Maslow's needs and ours be met. May we, in our needs, turn to Jesus Christ today and confess him as Lord. He is the one we need. He is the one we've been looking for, even without identifying that in our minds. He's the one we're yearning for. When we go to the mall or go to the whatever, wherever we go, to Harbor Freight or the the tool place, right? And we feel that yearning, what we're really yearning for won't be satisfied in that shop. Or maybe temporarily, but not long term, right? Because what we're looking for is something greater than that. That satisfaction comes through Jesus Christ. May we look to him today, find our hope, our identity, our purpose in him. And as we receive that, may we share that with others and extend that gracious hand to them. Because as he nourishes us, we are then able to go out and care for and nourish others. May we do this graciously today and each and every day. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are the one who fills our needs You are the one, Lord God, who gave us those needs so that we would reach out to you and find you. Help us, Lord God, to stop trying to fill up those needs with pointless things in this world. But may we turn to you and receive your mercy, your grace, your love, and your identity, Lord. And then as people who have been filled up by you send us out into this world to be poured out for others. May we, Lord God, Walk with grace and mercy and love. May we care for the hurting, the lost, and the lonely, Lord. Give us compassion, for we are people who have received so much from you. And we pray, Lord God, that as we go out into this world, that others would be drawn to you, their hearts would be open to receive you, and that you would work your grace and your power in them, that they might know the hope that is ours in you. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.